0: sins you come and you saved us while we transgressed against you you still look for us and you still want a deep relationship with us and as we come here today to hear a Father's Day message Lord remind us no matter what our earthly fathers are like you are a great great father in heaven that loves us and Lord for this we are truly thankful amen we can see that When Benny first talked to me about church here today, man, you got a 9 o'clock service, you got a 11 o'clock service. Man, I got that whole two hours to preach or an hour and a half to preach, and he just ruined it. So I had all of Luke 15 lined up, and now was a bit shorter. But no, I'm serious in that. Uh, with that is, uh, we are going to talk about Luke chapter 15. I don't think he has the scripture today, but we'll have that back later. And if we're going to do 15, Luke chapter 15, verses 20 through 22. As you turn there, uh, but the whole chapter 15 is important and runs to there. But first, let's talk about Father's Day real quick. Father's Day real quick. I did a Mother's Day sermon, obviously, not too long ago. And you realize the difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day. Obviously, Mother's and Father's is the main difference. But besides that, Father's get a lot of bad rhymes. You realize there's less phone calls, AT&T and the other phone services, the increase in cell service or phone service is only 2% on Father's Day. Where in Mother's Day, most of the time the circuits are overloaded, people calling their mother. Uh, Mother's Day is a multi billion with a B billion-dollar business, I, and I hate to mention this because Tammy's going to say she's been shortchanged. changed uh, The average woman receives $132 worth of gifts on Mother's Day. Father's Day is a million, just a million, just flat out about a million-dollar business. not multi-million, just a million. And the average dad receives $35 to $55 in gifts. But just up front there, that's just uh, some of the things. And so I don't always preach the holidays, but so I said, well, okay, here I am. Let me look at some sermons. I don't rarely go to online for sermons. But one of the things that gets me about this is it just seems like if dads get their act together, you know, dads need to step up to play dads, this, that, that. And that's why I said sometimes his dad gets a, a, some bad rap. What about his good dads? What about the good men? Not every, not every father is a dad. But there's a lot of men that may never have children, but they are dads to other people. And, and same thing with women. Uh, we're all called to be in mission and ministry to people and, and their lives and, and to care for children and, and different people. I still have dad figures or mentor figures, we call them in the adult world, in my life. And so that doesn't go along there. And this Luke 15 kind of gives us the story of a loving father, but you really need to understand all of Luke 15, and I'm going to try my best to bring this to you in what the first century, what Jesus was talking about in this parable when he gives it. And so I'm going to cover two of them real quick, and not read the whole thing, but just cover them uh, because Corey Asbury sings a song, and I believe you're going to hear it today: uh, the "Reckless Love of God." The reckless love of God. And in that song, he says, and it comes from the scripture right here. says, uh, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses uh, one of them, does not leave for the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which he has lost. And when he finds it, when he found it, he lays it on his shoulder and he rejoices. You've got to understand this concept, and the Jewish numbers mean something. The Jewish concept, five is a complete number, ten is also anything in multiples of five, and the more that it adds up, the more it is. And the bottom line, we are not going to go into a whole long theological sermon here, but what, what he's saying here is, is, heaven is incomplete without you. Father in heaven created us in his image, and every child he loses, he is sad. And for every child that is not of his, that is one of the devil, God was sad. And so in heaven, that's the meaning of that story there. Heaven is incomplete without you. The next one is, is the coin, the loss of a coin. And when they find the coin, they rejoice. And what the story there is, you are more valuable than any amount of money that is on this earth. God, you are made, and I am made in the image of God, and you are more valuable than any amount of money. And when you are lost and you are found, all the heavens and all the angels in heaven rejoice. What a wonderful day that is! And that brings us up to the parable of the prodigal son. And most people will read this; so they'll simply go along. And really, the father. We'll, we won't discuss the other son today. Maybe that's the next Sunday or something. But there's two lost sons in this story. One of them, as we well know, uh, one of them the younger son, if you've read this story before. The younger son you go along, obviously a wealthy father. He has, he has a farm, he has servants, he has people there. So he's probably wealthy, well-known in his community. Uh, the younger son, the younger son asked for his inheritance early so he can go get on with his life. And you just got to understand Jewish culture on that. Number one, since there only seems to be two sons in the story, the first son would have got two-thirds of everything. The second son would have got a third of everything. And so he's asking his dad, and what he's really saying to his father, I just wish you were dead so I could get my money and I could get out of Dodge. Boy, you know, I remember being mad at my father before in time. And have we all as children not been there before? Have we all been mad at our parents at one time or another? But he does. But his father is so loving. My dad was just like, just get out of the house. There's the door, so in I hold no prisoners. You're 18, there's the door. Go. And uh, but so but this is a loving father. And this is going to be what's a little scary here with this story. God gives him, or the father gives him what he wants. The father gives him what he wants. And so the son goes, and he, and he goes, and he, he lives this wild living, and he lives this wild living. And this is where we get to this story, uh, where we get to the story now. Let me read this part for us, so and we'll cover this. And chapter 15, verse 20, and he arose to his father, but when he was still a great, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, against, against, and you and your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put, put on a ring in his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. This is the word of God for the people of God. Okay, this is the word of God for the people of God. And the congregation will say, praise to God. There we go. There we are. All right. We changed one thing today. All right. I don't know. That, that's one thing to learn the message, church. This story is important. This story is John Wesley's, all of his grace is put into this story. We see the son, we we know about the story. is the father gives the son the money, the son goes and lives a wild today. He's coming back. But we don't see the underwritten part of this story. When the father saw his son away off, it is told to us when we study this, it is told to us that the father, as soon as the son left, the father never stopped looking for him. The father took all of his resources, gave it over to the oldest son, him, and if we to see his servant was with him, probably sat on the front porch day in and day out looking for his son. Day in and day out. We need to back up just a hair because what his son has done, if we go back to Deuteronomy and the Deuteronomic laws, what his son had done to the city people could have grabbed his son and took him to city square and stoned him to death. His son had committed a, such an ultimate crime against his father that he was deserving of death. That's important to know in that story. So the, the, the son committed this crime. If the townspeople could have got a hold of him, they would have killed him. Not with the father's request or anything else, but the father had his love. So the father, to protect his son, is standing there way off, looking day in and day out, day in and day out, wondering when his son is coming. So when his son is coming, he didn't know when the son was coming. And the son, he sees the son way down the road. And we think, man, what a great guy that gives to take off running. But in the Jewish culture, a dignified, uh, mature man would have never run. It was unless the bear was chasing or a lion chasing, you would not have run. You would have walked. It was undignified to run. And this father humiliates
1: himself
0: to go chase after the son that took his inheritance. The father humiliated himself to run after the son to go along. It was unorthodox that he did this. And what has he done? The son has prepared this speech. How many times have you and me, or you and I, how many times have you done something wrong? And you've been there, God, if you get me out of this mess, I will. I'll be in church every Sunday. I'll be in Bible school. I'll leave that. I I will do. Anybody else besides me been there? Anybody on me is just me? I mean I'm still there. I, I, I told Benny his one job is to try to keep me out of trouble. I told Jessica the other day her job. I had to write the newsletter. i buy part of the newsletter. Your job was to make me look smart. I mean, people's got jobs here to help me out. But so the father comes. The son has a pre-prepared speech for the father. Does the father listen to it? No, he doesn't sit there and say, "Son, you have wronged me." You have. The father doesn't give him a lecture the father doesn't give him a lecture but the father what he does do but the father does do he tells his servants so he has rec- he committed his resources to looking for his son. He has his servant put on a new robe to him. He is restored. And in that time, one of the reasons we know he's wealthy, a signet ring was given to the family members, especially the sons. The signet ring. To identify who he was, as soon as that ring went on his finger, he could no longer, the townspeople could no longer touch him because he belonged to the father. Look at me. I'm the father's son. I'm the Father and Son. Believe it or not, when you were, when you were uh, baptized in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, you don't see it, but there's been a cross parked on your forehead, and the devil knows who you belong to. He knows that you're the child of God. He knows it, and he is upset about it. But there's not a thing he can do because you belong to the Father. There's not a thing that he can do because you belong to the Father. And so we see him, and so he's got the new robe on. The robe that represents restoration. His ring represents he's back in the family. And he gives him new sandals to wear, because he can walk with the newness of life, and the newness of life being the being of God the Father. He didn't give old things to wear. He gave him new things to wear. What a wonderful example of a father this is. He doesn't hold over his child's head everything. Your sins are forgiven as far as the east is from the west. Can we really comprehend that? Why do we continue wallowing in our past sins? It's not the other people bringing them up to us. How many times does the devil sneak in your head and say, Remember what you did yesterday? Remember that bad word you said? Remember when you were driving down the road and that guy cut you off and you sped up and you cut him off and you... You show them your IQ, out will win uh, <laughs> Remember, what kind of person? You're a Christian? And that's it. The devil is constantly trying to tell us that we do not belong to the Father. The Father is always restoring us. And, and, and on, this, on this real quick for your John Wesley moment, which just come about... We just come from conference, so your John Wesley moment there is when we go along the Father looking for him. There's provenient grace, the grace that woos us to a deeper relationship with God. God wants a deep, meaningful relationship with you and me. He's not just happy with the, the dinner time prayer, I guess the dinner time prayer is good. He wants to spend time with you. And so provenient grace, the rest of the ring and the. And the ring and the, the get, receiving the robe is justifying grace. And you have been justified. Your sins have been forgiven and forgotten. Your sins have been forgiven and forgotten. Forget. Stop bringing them up in your mind. You gonna Stop bringing them up in other people's lives. because they are the past, not the future of your life. He's given new sandals. That is that is sanctifying grace. That you can walk in newness with God. And every day you walk with God, the stronger you will get. The closer that relationship will get. The deeper that relationship will go. And before you know it, you will start acting and talking like the Father. Perfection is not a sinless life. Perfection is the being and acting like Jesus Christ. To love your neighbor as yourself. And so we go along and we see the fatted calf that God wants to face with us. He's desiring to have the very best for us, you and me. Undeserving children. But yet God restores us to a rightful place of his kingdom. He restores us back there. We were dead to God, but we were made alive through his son, Jesus Christ. We live in a lost, lost world. We live in this lost and dark world out there. And those there's there's those that are living outside of God's race. And they're all around us. They're not maybe not in this church today, but they're all around us. And God desires us to do one thing is to understand that this love for us is not only for us, but it's for everyone. And what vessel does God use to take share of others? You and me. Living our daily lives. Living our daily lives. And when people sit there and say, hey, then aren't you the one that did? I, I belong to the Father. He paid the price for this. Show them your signet ring. Show them your signet ring on that. And, and so we go along with that. The, the message we hear is today that the God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit loves you. He loves you. It's a record. We're going to hear this song in just a minute. It's one of my favorite songs reckless love. He will humiliate himself on the cross for you. He was willing to go to the grave for you and I. And he does this because he loves us. And our correct response back to him and Jesus says to to the rich young ruler that you are to love God with all your heart, soul, as we get ready to hear this last song, this is, a, this is the invitation I give to you. Do you truly love the Father? The Father that's in heaven? Do you live a life in which it shows that you are a child of God? Here's great news. Here's great news. John tells, First, John tells us, if you will earnestly repent of your sin, your sins are forgiven. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm telling you what, today's the day. If you have broken that relationship, today's the day. Because there's a loving Father in heaven willing to accept you just for who you are. Let us pray. Dear Lord, our heavenly heavenly Father, what a wonderful story about a father's love for his son. And Lord, what a wonderful story about the, the love that you have for us. I can't really wrap my head around it, Lord, but I know it's true because it's in your word. And Lord, we just thank you for that word. Amen. Please stand and join us in close
1: this song.